Hey, welcome to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this is session number 128, Ask Scanner School, Volume 21. And before we start this week's podcast, I want to thank the supporters of Scanner School. So whether you're going to scannerschool.com support and you're supporting us at a one-time donation by going to PayPal, maybe you're using our Amazon links before you make a purchase on Amazon. If you're looking for new hardware, you're using our Scanner Master links. Or even if you're using Butel software, before you make that purchase, you go and use our Butel links and our brand new eBay links if you're looking for used equipment. Your support helps keep the podcast going. I also want to thank those who help support us on Patreon. Now, Patreon is a month-over-month type of sponsorship platform. And there's three different tiers. The first tier for a buck a month, you're just helping to support us. And really, at the Patreon takes theirs, we're only getting pennies on a dollar, to be honest with you. At $3 a month, you're going to get the podcast delivered to you early. You get your own private podcast feed that you can actually get the podcast as soon as it's available. At the $5 level, you not only get the $3 level, but you also get squelchy stickers mailed directly to your home. Because at $5 a month, it really equates to being about a dollar a week or a dollar per podcast is really what you're you're giving us. So again, I want to thank my Patreon supporters who are Craig Harper, Dan, Glenn Blum, Glenn Bryan, Guy Lee, Irvin Thibodeau, James Felling, Jeff Block, Jenny Taylor, John Goldenberg, Ken Newberry, Kenneth Fowler, Mark Beebe, Raymond Hill, Richard Armstrong, Ronnie Bach, Sal Marandola, Scott Vorder, Signals Everywhere, Todd Glendai, and William Arcand. Let's start the podcast. Welcome to The Scanner School, a podcast dedicated to the scanner radio hobby. Class is about to begin. Here is your host, Phil Lichtenberger. Hey, welcome back to Scanner School. My name is Phil Lichtenberger, and this podcast is here to teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. And that's exactly what we are doing today. We're answering your questions. Now, you can ask me a question by going to scannerschool.com slash ask. And in there, you'll either see a way of leaving us a voicemail, which is our local 516 number, again, 516-308-2885, or by clicking on SpeakPipe. Now, we've got two questions that came in, one from each method this week, so you can kind of tell the difference between one and the other. Basically, you can't tell the difference. It's great. One allows you to call me directly. The other allows me to use the internet so you don't have to pay if you're out of the country. So going back to this question here. Or how to ask a question. Now, if you don't want to ask me a question using your voice, and I understand many people are very shy about speaking and being repeated on a podcast, you can also email me your question. There's a contact form at scannerschool.com slash ask where you can, in fact, ask me a question. Now, what's the benefit of asking me the question via SpeakPipe or via our 516 number? Well, it puts you in the running to win a free tutoring session. Now, these tutoring sessions, I charge $47 to sit down with me for a for an hour's worth of time. We use Zoom, and it's like having me sitting right next to you. We can share computer screens, and we can go through anything that it is that you need help with. Programming your scanner, understanding how to download stuff from Radio Reference, how to you know look up anything it is that you need to look up. I've gone through how to connect a BCD-536, an SDS- 200 to pro scan, how to set up favorites lists and a home patrol scanner, as, as well as several other things when it comes to helping people out. So again, it's $47, scannerschool.com slash consulting, or 
you ask me a question using your voice via SpeakPipe or a 516 number, and I draw a random winner out of a hat or a virtual hat to see who wins it for the month. So we've got two people this month who are going to go head-to-head to see who wins there. But after we answer those two questions, we're going to get into some of the email question. Oh, and by the way, if you ask me a question via SpeakPipe or our 516 number, it puts you to the top of my queue. That means I answer your questions before I answer the emailed questions. So it kind of gives you a bit of a priority and a bit of a reason to kind of come on and ask that question. So without delaying any further, remember all the session notes can be found online on our website, scannerschool.com slash session 128. Again, you can ask a question at scannerschool.com slash ask. And if you're listening to this live, first Tuesday of the month, you can also join us tonight on Facebook and YouTube Live, we'll be answering even more questions. So let's get on to our very first question, who comes in from Bill Sawyer. Hey, this is Bill Sawyer, W1SAW. Phil wanted to say thank you very much for your podcast. They are super informative. Now, getting to my question, there's something that irks me, and probably most people that are legitimate. Once in a while, you're cruising through eBay, you're looking for a scanner or something, and you find usually an advertisement for a UV5R. It's being sold for a bit of an inflated price, and it's being called a police scanner. So one of my questions is, is there any place that you know of in America where they actually have analog, unencrypted signals from some sort of law enforcement that would legitimately make a Baofeng UV-5R uh, a scanner. Now, I do know you could use it maybe for railroads, certainly can use it for weather, so I'm not saying it doesn't have its uses. I, I just see that kind of advertisement as misleading and wondered what you thought about it. Hey, Bill, great, great question. So I think that the people selling this radio, first of all, understand what it is people are looking for. And they've kind of worded their ads on eBay and even on Amazon so that they keyed directly into search terms that people want. Yes, they inflated the price. But again, when you don't know what you're looking for, not to say, let me back that one up. When people don't understand what it is that they're looking at, they just assume that, yes, it is a police scanner. And again, they would have to have it programmed in. And I'm looking at some of these now. And there's the uh, Baofeng UV5RA. And the eBay price on them by it now is $56. And the Amazon price on them is $27. So again, they've really marketed this scanner. And they're doing a great job at marketing it up because they are hitting the right search terms and it's the right price. Even one of these ads said it was a digital scanner and it's not, right? We we kind of know what these radios are. Now, for anybody who doesn't understand what a Baofeng radio is, it is a very cheap HT or handy talkie, usually with 128 channels, sits around the $30 price point, depending on where things are. And I've actually talked about these radios and why I would recommend not using them for scanners and also recommend why they would be an ideal scanner radio all the way back on session number 52 of the podcast. Go back at scannerschool.com slash session 52. Now, while I can't fault these people for 
understanding how search terms work and how it is that people are able to seek out what they want. I mean, people are selling them. Look at you know, fifty, you know, forty-two sold, et cetera, et cetera. There is definitely people out there buying them now. Again. I own a couple of Baofeng radios. I've used them both as receivers and as transmitters, and transceivers rather. And they do what they got to do, right? But would I recommend them as a scanner and dedicated scanner? Again, I, I recommend listening back to that last podcast session so we can you can get a, a fuller answer because I can, I can rimble back this one for the next half hour or so. But to answer your question as to whether or not there's any police activity anywhere in the United States that would qualify these radios – as being marketed as police scanners, the answer to that one is a definite yes. And I don't need to look any further than my front door to be able to answer that question. New York State Police use VHF analog to communicate. Now, that's great. That's just New York State troops, right? I'm in Troop L. Not only do they use an analog VHF channel, but they also use a trunk system. But... NYPD still uses a lot of UHF T-band in the analog transmissions, rather. So you could really load up that radio just for NYPD and call it a police scanner. So yeah, I mean, my local county PD, they're encrypted. My neighboring county PD, their Motorola APCO 16 Type 2 getting ready to roll over to a APCO 25 or P25 Phase 1 and Phase 2 capable system. So again, they're out. So I look to the east, P25. I look outside my front yard, P25 encrypted. I look one county, though, over to my west, analog, UHFT, in the clear for the most part. I can use any Baofeng radio off the shelf set it up with any of their frequencies and be scanning. So yes, you can do that. Now, does it grind my gears to see that people are using these scanners or these radios as scanners? Again, look at the other podcast episode I gave you, which again was scannerschool.com slash session 52. I do believe they have a place in the market. I do believe that these users did find a way of marketing their ads so that people will buy. Again, no fault of anybody's for buying them. I mean, they're marketed perfectly for somebody who's looking for a scanner and doesn't realize what they're looking for. Again, not to insult anybody that went out and bought them. Like I said, I have a couple of Baofeng radios that I use for scanners, and I've also programmed up radios for people to use as scanners for Baofengs as well. So again, great question. And uh, thanks again for using our voicemail method. I'm not going to say which one it is because we have another one coming up right now which uses the exact opposite method of asking a question. And again, I'm leaving it up to you, the listener right now, to see if you can tell the difference between which one was an actual speak pipe message, again, which is the one where you just use the internet to leave me a voicemail, and so who actually called up my local number, which is, again, 516-308-2885 to ask me a question. Again, Bill... Thanks a lot for asking your question. Okay, the next question comes in from Bill Roberts. Now, again, Bill did ask a question via one of our voicemails methods, and we're going to play his message for you right here. So, uh, Bill, go ahead and ask your question. Hello, this is Bill Roberts. Uh, I have a question about my local police department. It's part of the P25 system, and when I look up on Radio Reference, it is um, linked to a major city about uh, 10 miles away. 
and it's also linked to uh, another county that is uh, about uh, 50 miles away. So we've got my city, another city, and another city or county even further away. Each has its own set of frequencies, although they do, of course, share the same IDs. So my question is this. If I were to remove uh, the frequencies for uh, County B and County C, would that help increase the scan rate? Because right now it seems to take forever for it to go through uh, a cycle of, uh, of scans for this uh, city that I'm in. So I have tried it, and it does seem to go quicker, but am I missing out on something? I guess it's the real question. So when I remove uh, or, or um, disable City B and City C so I can only listen to my own to make it go faster, to make it scan faster, am I missing it, missing out on anything? Obviously, uh, they're, they're joined in case there's some sort of large emergency where you do need to have um, communications between all three cities. But that is very, very rare it ever happens, you know, maybe once a year or once a decade. So I um, wanted to know if I'm missing out on any normal communications when I when I remove cities B and C just to uh, speed up my scan speed. Thanks in advance. Bye. All right, Bill. Great question. And this one can kind of go off onto its own podcast topic. So I want to thank you for asking this one. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll break this one up even further. But... I've actually worked with Bill, so everybody's kind of up to speed here. I've worked with Bill on this system just to see what it was that he was up against. And he's in Indiana. Indiana has what they call the Project Hoosier. It's a P25 system that is a statewide system. Now, this statewide system is broken down into a north zone and a south zone. Bill is only worried about his area in the north zone. So we're not worried even about what's going on between the north and the south zone. Each county that's in here has at least one transmitter, typically two, and some counties even have transmitters that are set up to be simulcast. So let's break this down one more time again. We have a statewide system broken down into a north zone and a south zone. Each county has either one or more transmitters or they have transmitters that are set up in simulcast. So the difference here is every site that's in simulcast operates as one big cell, uh, big transmitter site. Or if they're independent sites, that means that you can have activity on one site and not the other. And here's the key here. You can have activity on one site and not the other. So let's break down the first part of Bill's question. Bill's asking, do I need to have adjacent towns or cities or counties transmitter sites from this Project Hoosier P25 system in your scan list? So I would say your best bet, though, right now, Bill, is, is to only put in what it is that you think you're going to need, okay? Because every time your scanner runs through a trunk site, it's then going to go to the next site and start all over again. Again, acquire the control channel, see what trunk, uh, talk groups are active on it, see if your talk groups that you're looking to scan are on it. If they are, great. If not, go on to the next site, go on to the next site, go on to the next site. The more sites that you have on uh, your trunk system scan list, the longer it's going to take to cycle through everything. All right. So let's think about things differently. We're going to we're going to erase the whiteboard here. We're going to start over again. 
when your local police department is out in the field and they are basically working in a geographical location, in theory, if every single radio on that police department is only on one site, each radio is registered and affiliated with one site, then in theory, you should only have activity from that police department on that one site. You won't have activity on the second site. Now, we're talking about in theory here because I want to put a little dog ear on this one and come back to it in a second. So what happens is if you're scanning, let's just say you have site alpha and site beta. If site alpha has everybody in the police department on it and site beta doesn't have anybody with the police department you want to monitor on it, you're never going to hear that talk group on site beta. Now, the system admin, though, can overrule that and override that and say, I want these talk groups to always be on these sites. So you could, in theory, now have site the two sites, say, in your county, because they are in your county, and you have your county police department. They could say, I want this talk group to be active on both sites, regardless of the fact if any radios are affiliated on it. This is a great way of limiting resources on a trunk system. And maybe we'll talk about this in further detail next week. But what, what's happening here is there's no reason to have your police department on a P25 site that's clear across the state. There's no reason to have that, right? It's, it's, it's just not a good use of resources. So let's go back to your original question. If you have sites Alpha, Beta, Gamma, or Alpha, Beta, Charlie, and you're in counties X-Ray, Yankee, and Zulu, right? I would think that if your county, let's call your county X-Ray, and your neighboring counties Yankee and Zulu, I would think that if they were to interrupt together, first of all, you'd have an interoperable talk group already predefined in the trunk system. But if not, you would have the ability from the dispatcher side or the administrative side to what's happening is called a patched talk group where they can flip a switch, so to speak, and patch their dispatch talk group with the neighboring county's dispatch talk group so that all the activity on County X-Ray and Yankee are tied together. And if they have to, County Zulu can also be tied together in one dynamic talk group. Now, again, these dynamic talk groups can happen on the fly or they can be pre-mapped out on an interoperability talk group. Or, again, they could be something that's just set up where they need a dynamic talk group. It could just populate. So it's it's an interesting, interesting question here. So what I would say, and Bill, I know you have the ability to do this because we've talked about this off on the side. I would set up two radios, and I know you have multiple radios that you can work on this with. Set one radio up with your closest site and put your PD in there. And put your neighboring PD in there to see if it's what it is you want to listen to. On your secondary radio, set it up with multiple sites. Start seeing if you're missing conversations. If all of a sudden you realize that the scanner that has sites, Alpha, Beta, and Gamma, and then counties X-Ray, Yankee, and Zulu are starting to pick up more traffic, and that's the traffic you want to pick up, then you know you're going to need to have to open up your scan lists and add those sites into your scanner. My theory, though, is you're only going to want the sites at least in your county, which I know are only two of them, and you're not going to want to monitor anything outside of the county. 
right? unless, of course, it is you want to monitor something in County Yankee, and then you'd want to add them into your, your list. So I know it's a little bit confusing, but again, you have to remember that these networks are set up so that they use as little RF resources as possible, and only when a user is registered on there would it actually activate the talk group on that site. So again, short of setting up a secondary radio to monitor the big system the way you think you need to versus a small system that you want to try out to eliminate the other sites so that you can increase your scan speed. And again, maybe we'll talk about this next week on ways to optimize trunking systems so that you can increase the speed and the scan rate of your scanner because this can really spill out into something much, much larger than what it is that we have time to talk about on an ask session. So Bill and Bill, the two Bills, I want to thank you both for asking questions via our SpeakPipe and our local voicemail number. At the end of the podcast, we will pick a winner from one of you and see who wins the free consulting call for the month of June. So again, the listener, you right now, see if you can figure out which one was a call in at 516-308-2885. And which one used our speak pipe at scannerschool.com slash ask? You really can't tell the difference, can you? I mean, there is a slight difference between audio, but you would never really know. All right. On the other side of this break, we have some emailed questions. So stick around. This session of Scanner School is sponsored by East Coast Pagers. Now, East Coast Pagers is one of my online companies, and we are a Unication, Apollo, and Swiss phone dealers serving the North American market. Now, if you're looking for a personal use pager or one for your department, we can get you a quote at the very best prices. So why does a company like East Coast Pagers support Scanner School? I think that every scanner reader user should at least put one pager in their collection of radios. The reason why is very simple. It frees up your scanner to just do scanning, and then you have one radio that's dedicated to your local fire activity. Now, with a pager, you can have voice storage. You can do tone outs. You can keep it silent. You can go back the next day and listen to what you've missed overnight. It's more than you can do with an out-of-the-box scanner. And with today's pagers having multiple frequencies and even having multiple channels in a scan list, like the Unication G1 can do eight channels in a scan list. It has 64 memory channels, and out of the box, it comes with 11 minutes of stored voice and a desktop charger. The G2s to G5s, they do P25 phase one and phase two in simulcast environments with stored voice, paging on conventional NP25. Oh, and they're upgradable too to DMR type one and type two. They are more rugged than today's consumer-based scanners. And with a pager like a Swiss phone S-Quad, you won't even realize you're wearing one. It'll help keep you informed as to what's going on in your neighborhood. So again, eastcoastpagers.com or contact me directly, phil at eastcoastpagers.com. Do you have a new scanner? You having problems understanding how it works? Maybe you're new to the entire Home Patrol database of programming and you can't figure out Sentinel. Did you get a new SDR and you're trying to figure out how to install it or you want to learn how to use Unitrunker, DSD+, maybe set up a Pioware or even just make some changes and you don't understand how this system and the equipment works, the podcast might be great for you, but maybe you need a little bit more of one-on-one help with setting something up. I'm available to do just that with you with our private tutoring sessions. You can book me online by going to scannerschool.com slash consulting for a one-hour session. And it's great because we can actually share computer screens remotely and I can guide you through step-by-step as if I was sitting right next to you. So again, book me for an hour at scannerschool.com slash consulting for your scanner radio one-on-one tutoring session. 
National Communications Magazine is your personal library of scanner, CB, GMRS, FRS, MURS, and two-way radio articles written by the best minds in the business over the past three decades. Your NatCom personal online access account allows you to download the newest issues of America's Hobby Radio Magazine, as well as back issues, too. So visit natcommag.com to download your free sample issues and sign up today. That's natcommag.com for National Communications Magazine. All right, welcome back to Scanner School. Now, we're going to answer a couple of questions that came in via our email at scannerschool.com slash ask. Again, these came in via an email reply to a message I had sent or directly into our contact form. So I got this question from Doug Anderson, and Doug asks, I just got the SDS-100 this morning, so I'll be doing the firmware upgrade and probably get the DMR upgrade as well. I live in Petersboro, Ontario, so I'm not sure if I need the NXDN and Pro Voice upgrades. All right, so the first thing we're going to do, Doug, is say thank you for asking your question on Ask Scanner School. Secondly, or secondly, we're going to quickly go to radioreference.com and go to their database. And from the database, we're going to select on Canada. And then we're going to go to Ontario and then Petersboro. So Petersboro County in Ontario has quite a bit of analog transmissions, but you've also got a good healthy amount of DMR. So DMR would be an upgrade I would think you would want. Now, what's on DMR right now? In conventional mode, you've got the county roads. You've got some transit. You've also got uh, North Cartha. I guess, is uh, Fire and Rescue, as well as Antonobi, I guess. I don't know. You, you Canadians with your names. <laughs> I can't I can't really uh, fault you at that. We got a ton of Indian names where I'm from here on Long Island. Patchogue, which is, looks like it's Patchogui, and Mattituck, and Montauk, and all that. So I, I live in an Indian name as well, and nobody can pronounce it. So... Uh, yeah, to, to have um, original names that go back to the roots of the the the, the settlements where you live is uh, not foreign to me, but the way you say them is. So anyway, getting back on the topic at hand here. So yeah, DMR would be something of interest if you're looking to listen to those couple of uh, fire and, and roads and county facilities. There's also uh, the DMR Mark system, which is an uh, Ontario Amateur Radio Repeater Network. So if you're interested in listening to that, obviously upgrade to DMR. You also have Bearcom, which is like a commercial user where you'd have deliveries and tow and all that stuff. And then also you've got, there was another one in here I had pulled out, but it looks like that one is actually, I'm sorry, it's the ONQ network, which is NXDN. Now this ONQ network is, again, a commercial next edge or next edge site and again it's got some commercial users on it so if listening to tow and buses and, and deliveries and those kinds of things is something that is interest of you then yeah nxdn will be something you're into but i would think you'd want to at least get dmr and monitor some of these systems pro voice i wouldn't even worry about at all you don't have any edax trunking in your county at least when i see on radio reference Without any EDAX trunking, without the digital talk groups on an EDAX system, there's no need to go to Pro Voice because that's what Pro Voice is. It's the digital talk groups 
on an EDAX system. So you can save your money on that. So again, it all really depends on what it is you're looking for. Most of your area would be analog FM, would be on a phase two or a type two smart zone system. You've got a couple of DMR uh, transmissions in there as well. So if you were to upgrade, I would say stick to DMR and that should get you pretty much what it is you'd probably want to listen to up there. So, hey, good luck with the new scanner. I want to thank you so much for asking your question, Doug. And uh, if you have any more questions, feel free to join us again on our Facebook and YouTube live sessions, which again run the first Tuesday of every month. Or again, every other Tuesday or every Tuesday besides the first one, we have our Zello Nets as well. And again, email is also a great way to get in touch with me, which is exactly how you asked this question. So again, Doug, thank you so much for asking your question. All right, next question comes in from Ed. Ed says, I'm trying to update a favorites list on the HP2, but it won't connect to the computer. I have updated the drivers and uninstalled them and reinstalled them with no luck. Any suggestions? It just won't connect. It worked fine to update the firmware on my 996P2. No issues at all. Thanks, Ed. All right, Ed, let's start from the ground up here. Uh, the Home Patrol 2 is going to have to be on, so make sure you got it powered up and, and batteries are in there and it's it's able to be turned on. Secondly, though, we want to make sure we have a good USB cable. So double-check the USB cable. Make sure that it's plugged into the computer. I've helped quite a few people out that say that the USB cable is plugged into the scanner. It just won't work. Can't figure it out. Only to realize that it's still plugged into the wall to charge up the scanner or it's not plugged in at all. So before you start pulling out all your hair, make sure that that's all in there. Okay, next thing. When you plug the scanner into the computer, make sure that your scanner goes into mass storage mode. Without that happening, obviously you're not going to be able to talk to the scanner and see the SD card. Likewise, when you go into your Windows file manager, you should see that the scanner mounts as an external drive. If it's not doing that, then again, you can have a USB cable problem. I wouldn't say it's a driver problem just yet, but again, it could be that something else is not right. What you can also do here is take the micro SD card out of the scanner, put it into a micro SD card reader, and plug it directly into the scanner. Does it read the card that way? If it doesn't read the card that way, guess what? We eliminated the issues with the USB cable and also the scanner. Because again, what are you doing when you plug the scanner into USB cable? You're actually just mounting that micro SD card as if it wasn't an external reader and, or writer, whatever you want to call it, right? So by plugging your micro SD card directly into a USB reader-writer adapter, you're eliminating all the you didn't hardware here. Okay, so let's continue. Let's say it still doesn't work. The other thing you could do is when you go into Sentinel, there's a little card in there that says clear user data. You can go ahead and click on that button and wipe out the user data on the SD card. Sometimes that will bring the SD card back because you're going to write all the Sentinel data into that SD card. Now, again, this assumes that at least you can mount that SD card in Windows. The other thing you could do is there is a, a formatter. You can try and format that card. I believe it has to be a FAT32 format. You could try formatting the card, then clearing the user data, 
and that would reestablish that card as a card to be used in a unit in product. Now, as long as all of your settings are saved in Sentinel, there's no worries about deleting any information because Sentinel should have a good copy of what is in your scanner. Once you reformat the card, just go ahead and click right to scanner and it will push all the data from Sentinel back over to your micro SD card. So again, what we're going to do here, we're going to double check that the USB cable is plugged in. While we're at it, let's just go ahead and swap out the USB cable. Make sure that your home patrol goes into mass storage mode. Make sure that if it does go into mass storage mode, that your you can see and mount that micro SD card from within Windows. If Windows doesn't show that the drive is valid, then try to take the micro SD card out of the home patrol and plug it into a an SD card reader that plugs directly into your into your computer. Again, if you can't see and you can't mount that micro SD card, you can try to format it. Then assuming that you can then mount the SD card, or if the SD card mounts before you format it, go into Sentinel, clear the user database or clear the user data on it, reestablish it as a card that's supposed to work with Sentinel. Once you do that, you should be able to rewrite your data from Sentinel over to the computer. This is a great question. I see this all the time, and it really makes me think that I should make a YouTube video on how to reformat and reinitialize a micro SD card for a Uniden product because this is a common issue that I've seen from time to time. So you're not alone in pulling out your hair when it comes to this type of question. So again, Ed, I want to thank you very much for asking your question, and hopefully we've got it fixed for you, at least on the road to recovery and no pun intended okay so i want to thank bill sawyer and bill roberts who both left me a voice message now this is a time where we're going to figure out who is going to win the free tutoring call now again if you want to sit down with me for an hour you can book me scannerschool.com consulting now again we do this over zoom where it's basically a virtual screen where I can see what's on your screen, you can see what's on mine, and we can go through anything that you need help with. Again, scannerschool.com slash consulting. Now, to make this fair, what I did was I made a spreadsheet, and number one was Bill Sawyer. Number two is Bill Roberts. And next to that, I just created a formula that says RAND between one and two. And whichever number comes up, ends up being the winner. So the winner this week or this month is Bill Roberts. Bill Roberts, that's why we're both Bills. Congratulations on winning your free tutoring session. Email me and I'll send you the link that you can use for your free coupon and we can sit down for an hour and go through whatever it is that you would need help with. So again, I want to thank everybody who asked a question. Bill Sawyer, Bill Roberts, as well as Doug Anderson and Ed for asking your questions. Now we have a ton of more questions to answer next month, but if you want your question answered again, scannerschool.com slash ask. So again, scanner school is copyright 2020 Montreal Island Inc. My name is Phil Lichtenberger. My maturity call sign is W2LIE, and this is Scanner School, where we teach you everything to know about the scanner radio hobby. Don't forget, tonight you can catch us live on YouTube and Facebook, where we answer your questions live. And our Patreon supporters get a special session just to themselves after that one is over. And every Tuesday, 
that's not the first Tuesday, you can catch us on Zello. You want to join us on Zello? Scannerschool.com slash Zello. That's like hello, but with a Z. All right, guys. Catch you all next week on the podcast. Thanks again, and 73.